Welcome to the Cashflow Guys radio show with your hosts, Tyler Sheff and Leo Young. It's time to learn to earn. Welcome to Cashflow Guys Radio Show. This is Leo Young. In this episode, we're going to talk about finding your investor identity. We're going to cover topics like wholesaling, flipping, buy and hold investors, and why the cash flow game is so important to find your investor identity. So stay tuned for Tyler Chef and Leo Young, the Cash Flow Guys. Welcome to the Cashflow Guys Radio Show. I'm one of your hosts, Tyler Chef. I'm here with Leo Young, and today we're going to talk about investor identity. Finding your investor identity. That's super, super important, folks. Um, one of the things that we uh, we work on, uh, Tyler and I both, is, is, is putting this plan together, finding our investor identity, kind of working through that. Now, years ago, uh, my investor identity, I didn't, I didn't, nobody told me I needed to find that. I had no idea. I, I bought my first house uh, rental property when I was in college and just kind of started going from there because I assumed that was what I was supposed to do. I grew up in a realtor family, so passive income is something we've always had. And I never really found out what my investor identity is. So I, I, I went all over the place. I was in uh, uh, investment funds and stocks and bonds and, you know, all kinds of stuff. Flipped a few properties, wholesaled a few properties. I went all over the place. And I know, Tyler, you and I had lengthy conversations regarding this kind of stuff and finding the investor identity and why it's so important to do that. You had great experience in that, just like I did. Well, absolutely. My investor identity was, back in those days, was I just got to make money. I got to eat. Right. <laughs> I got I got babies. I got to feed them. Right, right. And we, you know, we're kind of slinging spaghetti on the wall. And one of the things, and it's so funny, we sit down and we see these TV shows and other podcasts and things like that. And, and they're very, very valuable to watch. But the, the, the ones that are my favorite on, on TV, we don't watch a lot of TV, but the, the flipping California and the, the flipping bu- Vegas, flipping Vegas. And bu- there's a new one on somebody told me about where they're in Texas and they flip and move. Have you seen this yet? No, I haven't seen I, it. I haven't yet. seen it either. Somebody told me last night, we, uh, Tyler and I were at a uh, networking event last night uh, for Future Home Realty, and uh, somebody pulled me aside and they said, you know, th- what they're doing now, the, they flip houses, but apparently they have to move the house. The, the house can't stay on the land. Why? I, I don't know. I didn't see the show. They just told me about it. And that's what they were asking me. Why would they have to move the house? I said, well, I, you know, I don't know. Is it HUD-owned? or? Oh, I know why. Because it gives great ratings. <laughs> Probably yeah, gives, exactly. Exactly, gives great ratings. But these people have to go in, bid it, find it, get it, sight unseen, and then they got to move the thing. Have you ever moved a house? Actually, I have a couple times. Isn't that? It wasn't fun. <laughs> that doesn't, and Tyler is a heavy equipment guy and, you know, was on a NOAA vessel dropping ROVs in the water, knowing full well how that works. I couldn't imagine trying to ROI that uh, cost in. Well, we didn't like to use the word drop. It was more like a deploy <laughs> type thing. Deploy. Okay, you know, when, you're right. When you got $5 million of the government's or the taxpayers actually money dangling on a string, uh, yeah, the word drop, not a good thing. That, yeah, that's probably, yeah, a 150-foot boat out in the middle of the Pacific. You don't want to drop anything. But, you know, shockingly, I was I was very well treated on that ship, oh, <laughs> being well, the guy that controls the crane. Yeah, well, I bet you and the uh, guy that, uh, that controls the money, probably the two most favorite guys. But, Absolutely. Uh, the, just going out there and doing 
stuff in real estate is a recipe for disaster. Am I right, Tyler? Well, absolutely. And that's that's why this episode is so important to us. It really hits home is, is discovering that investor identity. And something that I wish I would have done, I know, Leo, you wish you did early on, is you know, I just went out there and bought houses and made them look pretty and flipped them. And that's as far as I could really see. And I didn't realize that really what I had was a job. I owned a job. That, that's I don't consider that investing anymore. Now that I've I've grown up and met a great tax professional and, and have a great team behind me, I now see the value of actually investing in real estate for the long term. We, yeah, which is completely different than going out and, and you know, doing what you see on TV and just trying to replicate that. Not to mention the fact that mo- I went out without a plan. I knew that I was lendable, that the bank would give me money. So, okay, if the bank will give me money, I sh- should buy a house, right? Sure, why not? Sure, why not? Let's do that. And then uh, going through that process of getting things and buying them and sheetrocking and not knowing what I'm doing, I was leaking money. Not hemorrhaging, but I was leaking money. Now that I, in my mind's eye, I can look back at you know the kid I was in my early 20s, late teens, early 20s, my first house, there were so many things that if I could go back and tell that kid, dude, dude, slow down. Stop do what you're doing. Start calling people. Develop an idea. Put a plan together. And that's why we're, we're so passionate about what we do, especially in these cash flow games, because it gives the opportunity not just to read the books and watch the TV shows, but put all of that information into literal practice. Absolutely. You know, and having that hands-on opportunity. And, you know, with me, my investor identity or what I choose to invest in doesn't necessarily work for everybody. It's not a cookie-cutter thing. What, what excites me is providing that product, that end product, that clean, safe, affordable housing, giving it to people when they need it most, that's what hits home for me. That's where my investor identity comes from. Right. I mean, granted, it's, there's profit behind it, and that's a big motivating factor. But, you know, having that feel-good feeling that I'm providing people a clean place to, place to live and maintaining it that way so that they can be proud about proud of where they live, that's important to me. Right. Those relationships that are developed with the with those tenants are, are, are tremendous. And seeing, you know, what you've done in, in states other than Florida that way, it's it's great, and it's obviously it, it, it not only provides you money, but it does it feeds a passion. Absolutely, it's super super cool. And you know we've had to we develop our relationship over a, a long period of time now, and and it's not just about money. If it's just about money, then continue with your education, get your PhD, you know whatever that that course is for you to just chase the almighty dollar. That's fine. But for us, there's certainly a passion behind it because you know we can go make money. Anywhere. Government prints it every day. Absolutely. So what we got to do is is transition a little bit right now into cash flow. When we are in these cash flow games, the big thing that we talk about is a multidisciplinary uh, concept that comes in where they're looking at many different opportunities to invest in, whether that be stocks, CDs, um, security notes, speculative deals like raw land purchases. Opening a business. People get hit with this all the time. Hey, you know, I've got this great idea for a business, but I need somebody to give me some money to do it. These are actually deal cards that come up in the game because it happens to, I'm sure you folks, you probably listen to this podcast. I have somebody that I knew in middle school hit me on Facebook once a month going, hey, man, I need some money to invest. (laughs) You know, (laughs) I need to get this idea off the ground. It's like, well, okay, let me look at it. No, I'm sorry. Some work, some don't. But the math behind it, actually getting to participate and do it, 
in the game with money that's not yours, that Robert Kiyosaki, um, you know, money that we use in the cash flow game, monopoly money, so to speak, um, really helps to open folks' mind, broaden their horizons, really get a taste out of, you know, what all there is out there. Well, that, and to, to add on to that, to further that, Leo, you know, talking about seeing opportunity where you didn't see opportunity before, and the most common thing that I see in the cash flow game is people not realizing the benefits of wholesaling. You know, they have an opportunity right in front of them a lot of times, and this equates to real life. They have that opportunity in front of them, but they're not able to see it. And, you know, by playing the game, at least for me and for most of the players that I talk to, it helps them open up their ideas, open up their mind to see that opportunity and ideas in front of them so they can capitalize on them. And there may be multiple opportunities with it. That's, that's a great thing. We've got a cash flow game tonight, and it's amazing. We stopped the game. Two or three times. Absolutely. As it's going on, say, wait, 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 wait a minute. Because that deal's not for you, that that 2-1 condo or that 3-2 house and the down payment's not right or whatever, it may be in somebody else's wheelhouse. Wholesale it. Absolutely. Flip it to somebody else. Make a grand on it and, uh, you know, broker the deal out. Another thing we talk about in the cash flow game is, you know, the deals behind the deals. How can you stretch it even further? Here's one that's coming up a lot. This is this is very trendy. And in business, and many of you listening to this podcast are business owners or, uh, or you know, related to business owners, have your own businesses or work directly in it. And you know that business trends, you have trends that go up and down right now in real estate, flipping houses, big trend right now, huge trend right now. What's coming up, and we hear a lot more people ask us about this, is holding notes, holding paper, which means you're basically taking the upside, the amortization, the, 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 the lent money part, and holding the paper for somebody. We talk to folks in the game about playing around with that idea. For example, a deal comes up, somebody can't, can't afford it, maybe you hold the paper, maybe you give the money just for the upside. Push off the cash flow. 3-2 house comes up. The cash flow is $500. So-and-so doesn't have the money. You can put up the money, but you don't need the cash flow. On the sale of that, just take the upside. Or take interest over time if it's a buy-and-hold scenario. Exactly right. So there's a lot of different ways that you can take this game, this cash flow game that we're so passionate about that we play four or five times a week. In fact, we've got... We were nearly pushed over last night with the with the folks at this uh, investor um, realtor investor networking kind of thing, and it word got out that we host a private cash flow game in Tampa for primarily for real estate agents. Anybody can come, but it's it's really it's a teaching platform. Absolutely, for tailored to the real estate industry, real estate professionals. Not to say that the public can't come, like you said, Leo, but. The, the message that's being delivered relates to those that are on straight commission and uh, teaching realtors because most realtors um, don't own investment property. No, no, absolutely not. They, uh, they, they get in the mindset, they're kind of pinned in where they are turning transition or uh, transactions. One deal leads to another, listing, sell, listing, sell, listing, sell. Well, there comes to a point where you're an order taker. Well, that's where they get the listing breath, too, and they have that little gap there. They're like, all they can think about is, i got to sell something no matter what to the next person I see, or I can't make my car payment. So what we've done is taken the cash flow game to them to teach them that, yeah, you can buy the same house that you sell to your investor the same way your investor buys it. You can't buy them all, so you're really not competing with your investor, but then you can have that passive income coming in. 
So maybe that you can brush that commission breath off your teeth and everybody will be happier. Right, exactly. We, you can hear them coming a mile away. List your house, list your house, list your house. But we, uh, when we open these games up, we talk about finding your investor identity, and that's super, super important to, through that process, create that plan through the financial statement that you fill out at the game and create that identity. Are you a buy-and-hold paper, uh, buy-and-hold kind of person? Are you trying to um, capitalize on the stock market? And it changes uh, throughout the game sometimes. So it's a fluid plan of how they're uh, working through it. So um, as we're talking to you folks about this, the big thing is to first find your investor identity, come play cash flow. There's even an online version, I believe, through uh, richdadpoordad.com where you can kind of play it online. Now, that's I'm not a big fan of the online one because it's it's such a great group environment when you sit down with, you know, 30 other people in a room, four to a game. That synergy energy can't be replicated online. No, absolutely not. And um, there's an iPad version also. And I use the iPad version just to test different theories real quick. I can buy a bunch of stock and see how it plays out for me. And that's fun, fine and dandy, but it doesn't, doesn't uh, replace that group experience, you know, and that's one of the other benefits of the game is I learn so much from the other people that are there playing. That's critical to oh the learning gosh. process. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yes. And we're, we're also drawing from it as well. So when we come back, folks, what we're going to talk about is finding your investor identity and how you're going to do it. And the best way to find that out, if you're looking to invest in real estate and the multiple avenues that we can invest in real estate. So this is uh, Leo Young and Tyler Chef for the Cashflow Guys. Hold on just a minute. We'll be right back. Future Home Realty is a proud sponsor of the Cashflow Guys podcast. Our philosophy is to provide our agents with the best education in the industry, matched with an aggressive compensation plan that makes sense for you. Future Home agents make more because they keep more, a lot more. If you are a licensed agent and you're trapped by a compensation plan that is not in your favor, give us a call at 727-417-9696. That's 727-417-9696. Today is the day to take control of your career and your checkbook. Welcome back to Cashflow Guys, Episode 3. In this segment, we're going to talk about finding out where you are. You know, Leo, that's, I think that's, that's got to be step number one with real estate investing. Yeah, it, and it's one of those things where people don't really put a plan together. When you're developing your investor identity, and again, uh, to the last segment we talked about using the cash flow game to do this, and you can experiment with different investor identities to see what you know, is right for you, uh, buy and hold, flip, wholesale, whatever that may be. Then starting to find out where you're standing. The, what they'll do is they'll just jump right into it. Well, well no, no, no. no you got to do where you at first. Well, absolutely. But, you know, even before that, I think what keeps a lot of people out, which uh, our production manager here brought up a good point, is limiting beliefs. That was kind of brilliant. You know, he was talking about uh, limited, limiting beliefs. You know, people think it's too good to be true. You, I can't go out and buy a house or let alone an apartment building. It's daunting. Well, yeah, it's it's overwhelming to them to think that they could actually pull that off. Especially if they, most commonly, people are like, well, I don't have any money to invest. Or I have bad credit. Or, you know, or, or, or you could have all kinds of excuses. But, you know, you and I have both lost houses to foreclosure over yeah. the years. Um, and, and bought from yeah. foreclosures. Had tax liens in the past and had yeah. bad credit, got good credit now. 
you know, all of these things that you could let them stop you. Sure. And most people do. I mean, that's the that's the beauty of coming to the game and seeing that the things that go on in the game equate to real life because you're surrounded by people that are doing it already. Completely. And, mo- and most folks have a job. So this is a, a huge departure from what they're comfortable with. But you say it all the time. You cannot grow comfortably. No, you have you can't learn and look good at the same time. It's no, just not possible. No way. It's kind of like falling downstairs. You're look, gonna you're gonna look foolish when well, you yeah. get to the end. I look forward to looking like an idiot because at least I'm learning something and I'm taking forward motion. Because <laughs> if I look great, that means I'm really not doing anything. Exactly. We're good at that. So, uh, absolutely believing that you can do it, whether your credit score is bad or doesn't really matter. Believing you can do it, and then developing a strategy on where you're at. And we actually we give people a financial statement to take home. Yeah, for, absolutely. For That's, them to do it. The one we play with at the game, they take home with them to do their income and expense reports. And I know we talked about that on previous episodes, the personal financial statement, how important that is. That really is your blueprint, your your report card. It shows you where you, you where you stand. You can't grow until you first know where you are. I mean, you got to step back and say, where am I right now? Yeah. You know, how much debt do I have? Is that good debt, bad debt? Yep. You know, uh, do I have credit cards? And if so, how much balance do I have on them? You know, the common mistake people make is they think, well, I'm getting involved in real estate investing and I'm going to make all kinds of money in 30 days, just like the guru seminar said, and I can pay off this 24% interest credit card with a $30,000 balance. Folks, I'm here to tell you, that's not going to work. You know, and these are some of the things that we teach in our seminars is, you know, you got to figure out your position first, where you are and where you hope to be, and then build a plan around that, like we talk about with building that protection network, building that core. Exactly. You know, so the the, the failure-proof yourself. Nothing wrong with failing, but, you know, to protect yourself, uh, get it, you know, so you don't get caught up in your own, in your own mess. Yeah, you know? and, and it's easy to create that own mess when you just start walking into it, not knowing what you're doing is one thing. Reading a few books is something else, but not having a plan of where you stand currently, your personal financial statement yeah. right now, as well, it stands. Where your income, you know, what's your income and where your expenses lie. Of those expenses, do they all make sense? Is there is there good debt in there? Is there bad debt? What can be eliminated? What can be restructured? You know, it could be as simple as maybe I should pay my car off, which is going to raise my monthly cash flow a little bit. Mm-hmm. Or maybe I should just continue to make payments on it. That's the basis of where we're getting at. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then from that, extrapolating that, now you don't, you don't build a roadmap from there, but now you've got to figure out where you want to be. Well, absolutely. So where you stand, you know, like a ship in the middle of the ocean, where it is and where's port? Where, where's the end? So where do you want to be? Do you want to quit your job? Well, yeah, that's kind of funny you mention that because that's where I started my real estate investing career this go-around was out in the middle of the ocean working yeah. for the government. I was out there learning about all this stuff. You know, getting to your core values, what do you want to accomplish? What do you want to do with your free time? Do you want to quit your job or do you love your job? Yeah. You know, a friend of mine out in California, she's, she's I think she's got eight, 900 doors right now, but she still works full-time because she loves her job. To yeah. her, you know, real estate's her passion. But she truly loves what she does in her in her normal vocation. So, hey, more power to her. Yeah, and some people want to use this to start their own business, use it as a vehicle to start their own business, or to quit their job, spend more time with their kids, whatever it may be. But sit down and, and kind of core value it out. Where do you want to be with the investing? What is it for? Because it's going to produce money. But remember, money is just like a screwdriver or a hammer. It's a tool. 
Absolutely. To support the things that we want to do. So get that end in mind right at the beginning. Find out where you are and where you want to be and what's the cost to get there. Is it going to take a lot of time? If you're a starting investor at 60, 70 years old, it may take a lot of time. Like our production manager here, uh, you know, Christian, he's young. He wants, it's going to be different, completely different. The cost of time and the cost of, uh, uh, for Christian is going to be completely different. Somebody that, uh, that is uh, much, much older. And then from there, that's where you get your plan. Absolutely. Let's talk about building your plan. Um, you know, what are your needs as far as to execute the plan that you got to really get down to the brass tacks and figure out once you figure out where you are and where you want to be, then you got to figure out the how you're going to do it. What are the next steps that you're going to do? And, you know, a part of that comes from practicing. If you're going to buy, be a buy and hold investor or a fix and flipper or or something like that tied to particular properties, then you need to start getting used to negotiating or align yourself with people who are good at that and put them into practice. And, you know, my mentor always talks about, you know, an, an offer is just an invitation to negotiate. Yeah. Yep. You know, get out there in the field, start going to open houses, start walking around properties, look at some deal examples, run the numbers, mm-hmm. you know. Talk to industry professionals. You got to plug in. Absolutely, plug in. Nobody is an expert in this, no matter how touted they are as an expert. And Tyler and I will both say this: we are not experts. We know more than most. Uh, well, I'll give you that. But we're always learning, always growing, and we're plugged in to other people. Well, more importantly, we surround ourselves with the experts. I mean, the beauty of what we do is that we've positioned ourselves to where the experts are on our team we've hired yeah. them to, to, to join us yeah absolutely and, that, that's you know, fun we, we get to manage the managers which makes it even more fun and you know a lot less work they're doing what they do best i we can't be great at everything no i don't want to be great at everything no i don't either there's not enough time in the day for me to run the social media and to do this and invest and uh, i can't do it i need to stay in my strength i don't try to build my weakness uh, I want to manage those things that I'm not very good at or outsource them. Right. And then go from there into staying into my strengths and my wheelhouse, which is this podcast and, you know, acquiring more properties and being a buy and hold investor. That's what I like. But after you get your, your plan all set up, folks, remember a plan is only as good as its ability to change. Well, absolutely. And, you know, and that comes down to time commitment. You know, you got to think you're, Time is a commodity. It truly is. And it's, it's something that needs to be managed probably closer than your money because your, how you use your time is going to have a direct reflection on your bottom line. That's the biggest thing that most investors can bring to the table is they'll have extra time that they can commit. And, and that, quite frankly, that is important. Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, when we switched to the online calendar, that was huge for us. And it's some of the little stuff and, and hiring our CFO and, and plugging him in to take care of certain things and, and adding VAs to the mix and our production manager and whatnot. And people think, well, I don't have the money to be able to afford all that. Well, at the end of the day, it's about getting people to believe in your vision, what you're planning on doing, and take them along with you and yeah. share the wealth. Yeah, and, the, and our CFO is a great example. We don't use him full time. No, absolutely not. He, he's a CFO for more than one comp- more companies than just ours. Yeah, absolutely. So get your plan together on how you want to accomplish it. And just a little bit, folks, we're going to be talking about some uh, 
some assets that uh, may fuel that plan from if you want to be a wholesale kind of person, if you want to be an actual real estate retail agent to uh, make and create the extra money, maybe you want to flip houses. Maybe you are one of those, and Tyler and I have done it. We've gone into a house and flipped it and turned it and made a profit and moved on to the next one. There's many different identities that will come up out of this process, finding out where you are, where you want to be, and building a plan that suits it, that's dynamic and fluid, and then plugging in the assets. When I'm talking about the assets, what what are you doing? Are you flipping? Are you buying holding? Are you short-term holding? Are you investing in notes? Are you buying tax deeds? That's when you can plug those assets into your plan and figure out what you really want to do and really be able to commit to uh, moving that plan forward. And folks, in our next segment, we're going to be talking a little bit more and defining what those roles are and what those assets are. Stay tuned. We're the Cashflow Guys. Tyler, Chef, and Leo Young. Lawn Tacos Electrical Service is a Cashflow Guys preferred provider for all things electrical. In business since 1983, Lawn Tacos Electric is a fully licensed and insured electrical contractor serving the Tampa Bay area. The company has extensive experience in both residential and commercial electrical service. A professional electrical contractor is a critical member to any investor's team. Don't take chances with the lowest bidder. Hiring a licensed professional saves you time and money. Don't let your cash flow go up in smoke. Instead of calling the fire department, call Lawn Tacos Electric at 727-938-8895. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, the Cash Flow Guys radio show. My name is Leo Young with my partner here in the studio, Tyler Chef. We were talking a little bit ago about... Um, creating your investor identity, finding out where you are, where you want to go, and then building a plan around that instead of just throwing spaghetti on the wall and becoming a real estate investor through a couple of courses, a couple of books. That's really not the best way to do it. And we can tell you from personal experience, we're going to expand on that a little bit. Um, Tyler, wholesaling. You know, wholesaling it, for me is the critical entry point. If you're going to be an active investor of any regard, I think wholesaling is a, a great leapfrog to where you want to help you get to where you want to be. And the reason being is, you know, a good wholesaler, to be successful as a wholesaler, you've got to be an expert negotiator. Critical. So if you're going to be a landlord or you're going to be a fix and flipper, rehabber, whatever you call it, having those wholesaling skills, those negotiation skills, that bootstrapping, getting out there and identifying a problem and then coming up with a solution for it, those are critical elements to being successful in any of the other uh, entities of real estate that you might want to get involved in. Yeah, it directly correlates all the way through it. And people think negotiating. Immediately, you think about a SWAT team kicking in the door and, you know, buy low and sell high and all this, you know, rough and tumble kind of thing. And that is absolutely not the case at all. You're problem solving and you're researching. And for a someone who wholesales properties, they're not coming in with a real estate company behind them. They're typically not. Now, some of them, you can be an agent, but the, typically the wholesalers that we know that are doing it pretty successfully are not agents. They're calling on folks and they are flipping properties to from the seller to the buyer. And basically, that's what it is, and that's what they do. They come in and they negotiate with a seller of a piece of property to sell 
that house not for them, but they actually transitionally, they, they write a contract on it. They buy it and assign that contract at closing to someone else. Essentially, they're selling the contract. Absolutely. So what's in it for them? What do they make on the typical wholesaler make? Well, who that's, knows? It, <laughs> yeah, it really it varies. Uh, and it's, that's something that's not well tracked. But uh, generally in this area, what I hear is it's somewhere between five and $10,000 a transaction, really depending on and it, those numbers change from wholesaler to wholesaler and from neighborhood to neighborhood. Absolutely. These guys have all kinds of contacts. They're experts at speaking to people, learning how to read people, learning how to talk to people, which is truly negotiation at its finest. So if you're interested in wholesaling, we will have episodes coming up a little bit further um, down the line that are dedicated just to wholesaling, how to do it, the ins and outs, and all the little nuts and bolts on how to do that. Now, there's another topical kind of thing out there right now. We mentioned this a little bit earlier in the podcast about flipping, flipping houses. What, what, what's a flipper? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Before we get into that, I just wanted to mention, you know, as, as realtors, we work with a lot of wholesalers, and, and the benefit for us is more often than not, we, we run into sellers that are in a situation where they can't wait for the traditional real estate process to take place. They, they, they need it done now. They need it sold quickly. And that just happened to us, what, two weeks ago. Actually, great point. Yeah, yeah we, we listed a property on a Saturday, and the seller needed to, they were done. They wanted to be done with the property. And because we work with wholesalers and we have a network of cash buyers already from our normal practice and working with investors, we were able to get that property sold within 20 hours. Yep. I mean, literally two zero hours, that property was sold. It was gone. Um, and closed just a few days after that. So that's a big benefit. Now, flipping, you know, what it is, generally you're buying a property at a discounted price, and that's generally because it's in some sort of uh, distressed situation, whether it be the owner's distressed or the house's distressed or a combination of both. Usually they will, a, a fix and flipper, a rehabber, will add value to the property. In other words, they will force the appreciation of the property by making taking something that's ugly or, or under maintained, making it better, and then selling it for what its true value really is. And we see this on television a lot right now. Very trendy, very, very, very trendy. And that's what they do. They take something that is distressed either via the owner, and that's not necessarily all the time the property. Sometimes the owner can be in bad shape, and they need to get out from underneath it, whether it's you know family issues or monetary issues, lost a job or whatever. So some some flippers don't put in a whole bunch of money into a home. It just kind of depends on what they're trying to do. But the trend is, certainly on TV and everybody's trying to do it, is go in, buy it low, put a little bit of money into it, and then sell it a lot higher. Now, um, having done this myself, and, and, and of course, Tyler, we've talked about this. We'll have episodes on this as well. This is something that is uh, it's important when we're talking about that plan to put a team together. Mm, absolutely. Right from the get-go. I try to do this stuff by myself, and I talked a little bit uh, earlier about how um, I was leaking money. If I could talk to that 20-year-old kid that bought the house and while he was in college, uh, I, I could talk to him right now. You, you need to have a team together with your CPA, first and foremost. You need to get an attorney that knows what you're doing and put a little plan together on how to flip that house because uh, the IRS, once uh, a couple of those houses close, they're going to... They're going to want to talk to you a little bit. And that's what a lot of flippers miss out on. But they can make tremendous money um, flipping houses as long as they've got a plan on where to put that money. Absolutely. And then moving on to our buy and hold. You know, buy and hold is the third section that we're going to talk about today and what it is. Basically, it's it's just like it sounds. You buy a piece of property and you hold it for a long-term investment. 
you know, most commonly people think I'm, I'm going to buy this house and live in it because it's a great investment. And realistically, you know, that house is not an asset. It's truly not because an asset, you know, if you live in the home and it doesn't produce you any cash flow, therefore it's a liability. It right. costs you money every month. Whether you pay cash, which I don't even know why anybody pay cash for a house these days, especially with interest rates as low as they are. But, you know, when you, you, you own this property, you occupy it. And you don't receive any monetary value from it during the time that you occupy it until you sell it. So really, it's a liability. It's a liability, and it's a perceived asset. And there's when you get a little bit of a problem for the folks out there that are listening to the podcast. They think their house is worth X. Well, as we know, being in the industry, it's only worth what somebody's going to pay for it. Absolutely. And, and how it could be financed to get there. So um, we have this um, these seminars and, and these conversations quite a bit. Well, my house is worth this. Oh, yeah? Who says? Who says your house is worth that? Exactly, because I'm not going to write a check for that amount, probably. Right, exactly. But, you know, the, the benefit of a buy-and-hold scenario is you can you receive a return in several different quadrants. If you think of it like a, a sheet of paper with a line drawn down the middle and across the middle, you know, there's different quadrants that where you can make a profit. You, you can make a profit by being able to borrow the money cheap, and putting a tenant in place, you can earn the cash flow, which is basically the amount of rent you charge, less your expenses and less your debt service. Whatever's left over is cash flow, uh, which in, in a lot of cases can be significant in itself. Um, appreciation, that's the organic appreciation of the property, or forcing the appreciation or a phased appreciation, adding value to the property that makes it rent for more money. And with investment property, especially in multifamily, the value of the property in multifamily and commercial property is derived from the income it produces, not so much what neighbor Fred sold his house for. That doesn't matter as much anymore in multifamily. Exactly. Yeah, and multifamily, very different. The appraisal method is different. The valuation method is different. Single-family homes can be calculated in a couple of different ways, but uh, certainly you want to look at that cash flow. And, of course, buy and hold, folks, you've got the depreciation quadrant as well. Um, since it's not the home that you live in, you get to depreciate uh, off of your taxes, depending on how you structure it, whether in a corporation or whether you hold it personally, you'll you'll certainly be able to do that. Now, we're not giving any tax information on this show. You want to meet with your CPA, certainly, and who, a CPA who has experience in real estate and the ability to explain to you how it is depreciated over a period of time. And find one that owns rental property themselves. That is always a good thing. I, that's why I've had my guy for as long as I actually title. I have two different CPAs. His CPA firm is out west, and my CPA firm is uh, up in North Florida. And, and I've used my guy for years specifically because he owns real estate. And the other uh, cool thing about my guy is uh, he was an auditor for the IRS in the early part of his career. So he gets it. He fully, fully, fully gets it. All right, well, ladies and gentlemen, that's going to do it for this episode of The Cash Flow Guys. More information on what we've talked about today, look at previous episodes of our podcast. And, of course, we want to tune in to our website, CashFlowGuys.com. My name is Leo Young. For Tyler Chef, we'd like to thank you for listening to the show.